and welcome to episode 115 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, May 11th, 2023. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, then. I have so much to tell you about. I have so much to tell you. Monica and I were just chatting about it felt like ages since we last got together and we both were so looking forward to meeting up today, but it's really only been one day longer than normal. (laughs) (laughs) But we have been busy. There has been a lot going on. I think that is what's happening. I am in the busiest season, protracted season since before COVID, and it culminates on Saturday and then... I feel like Wednesday. Yeah, I do have to go get Nathan from school, and I'm excited about that, but that is easy compared to (laughs) what else I've been up to. Well, that's true. The rest of the year feels very chill after this incredibly exciting, life-filled, celebratory spring. Can't wait to tell you all about it. (laughs) Okay, well, we should get started. We will have On the Needles, On the Easel, On the Table, On the Nightstand, and bingo. It is the bingo blast off. Not quite starting yet, but we need to get ready, people. So, on the needles. Before I get started with what I've been doing, there are a couple of events coming up. Well, online knitting things that I wanted to mention because I'll be participating and they're super fun. And I just want to make sure everybody knows about them. There is a new gnome mystery knit along coming. The more you gnome... It is on sale until, I mean, you can get the pattern, but it is at a discounted price until June 1st, which is when it starts. It's apparently a simple-ish gnome, only three colors. You can use scrap yarn or there are kits you can buy and whatnot. I'll probably just go stash diving because I have lots of leftover yarn. Really? That's shocking. Just a little bit. So I'm excited about that. That'll be fun. That is from Imagined Landscapes, and there is a link in the show notes along with everything else that we talk about. And then the other thing is the Splash Pad Party from Down Cellar Studio is coming back as well, and signups are open for that. That is a two-month fiber arts along. The information page for that is there. You can use whips for this one. You get points for how many yards you use. It's quick, it's fast, it's made for summer knitting, and it is super fun. And that starts the same day as Bingo, May 27th, I think. It's the last Friday of May. And there are kickoff events for that as well. So check that out if you want to get rewards and additional joyful community for your your knitting and crochet and spinning too, I think. Probably weaving as well. Check out the rules. And I went to I went to my retreat and it was so fun. Hi retreat people. And there were there were a, there were several listeners who came up and said hi and how much they enjoyed the podcast and were wondering if you were there. <laughs> said no. But it was delightful and I really appreciated it. It I mean, Aww, we're always I kinda, kinda I kinda wish I made a cameo just to meet everyone. Ah, there's always next year. Okay. I'll let you know when the signups are. Uh, no, but it was super fun. We had great weather. It was beautiful. It was just, uh, you know, three days of sitting outside and knitting and talking. And, and it was it was lovely. And then there was a shepherdess this year. 
And I didn't go, but she did a sheep shearing demonstration. I mean, she was planning to do it. And one of the other knitters happened to walk by in the morning and they started chatting and she said, oh, I'm going to be shearing the sheep if anybody wants to watch. And so several people went up and then we got some of the fleece and someone prepped it and spun it. So oh my we gosh. had yarn like while total, we were there. This is totally right up my alley. It was hilarious. And then she came back down and she was, I guess she's, she has goats as well that she rents out for vegetation control. And I think that's why she was there. But then I don't know. She had the sheep as well. And then apparently she has a pet emu who was wandering around one morning. That was the picture of the emu. I love- oh, what is the- Iris? Iris, the emu. She was raised with the goats. So they're, they're buddies. And yeah, it was, it was. You know, this is going to end up in the the episode cover. Well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So that was really, that was very amusing. So as far as my actual knitting, I actually got much less knitting done there than I expected. I mean, to be fair, there was a lot of chatting. And then there was one night where I had a little bit more to drink than I expected to. And I just decided, nah, I really don't need to make any knitting decisions or do any knitting. It's just not going to go well. I'm just going to chat. So I sort of floated around and was talking with people. And it was delightful. Was there like a signature cocktail for the retreat? Somebody was making Manhattans occasionally. It's it's all kind of bring your own stuff. So the Mm. cocktails are usually a, a personal thing. I had brought... Cutwater Mai Tais. Ooh. So it's just a canned Mai Tai, and it was delicious, I will say. And that was kind of my, my evening drink of choice. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But I did do some knitting while I was there. I got there and realized I was halfway through a knocker. <laughs> I thought I had finished them all, but no. So I finished that one. I turned four in total, which was, you know, it's not a lot, but it was nice. And I won a prize. So that was very exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. I was thrilled. It was a little, it's from Alpenglow. I think it's a Christmas ornament and you can make it light up. So it's sort of a project. You have to, you have to like attach the battery. I think I haven't, (laughs) I haven't fully explored it. I'm a little afraid. I think it'll be fine. It's definitely something I would not have purchased for myself, but I've always been a little, I've, I've seen them at, they've been at stitches. So I've always been a little, a little curious about, about what exactly it is. So, so I think that'll be fun. And then I did work a little bit while I was there on my uh, Vanilla is the New Black Sock by Anna Fletcher in the Vintage Stripe from Yartini, which is, I think I've said this, I acquired in May of 2009. So that is some deep, deep stash yarn. But I finished it when I got back because I came back, I had a couple of concerts, I had some track meets, the season keeps going because my kid keeps doing well, he makes it to the next level of the playoffs, playoffs championships. I don't know what you call them in, in, in meets. But so I finally finished that pair of socks and I posted that picture yesterday, I think, which will be almost a week ago now by the time you hear this. They are bright pink, two shades of pink and blue and white stripes and they're very cheerful and it's very exciting. They look great on your dancer feet too. Thanks. That was a little tough to do, but <laughs> I made it work. And then I did manage to knit two or three rounds on my dark academia sweater by Sharon Hartley. That is that is the project of my heart, which is not getting very much love at all because these other things keep coming up that I have to work on. Other projects keep coming up that I have to work on. But I had a moment where we got back from dinner and there weren't very many people in the common room. 
So I said, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to see how long I can just work on it. And I think really it was two or three rounds and the rounds are still pretty small. And then more and more people came in and I was talking and I just said, nope, this is, that's the end of that. So I did get a little bit done, but not very much, but that was okay. Uh, the thing I mostly worked on, and this was my plan, so I don't feel, you know, like I got too off track, was the Dogwood Blanket by Tin Can Knits. And I'm making it in Knit Picks Swish Worsted in Rose Heather, which is a beautiful dark rose pink colored yarn. And this is for my new niece. And all of the knitting is done. It is blocking upstairs because it is it is a lace pattern. You knit four identical squares. Each one has a beautiful dogwood flower. Then you seam them all together. So I wanted to block out the lace to make sure you could you could see the pattern and it didn't look all wonky. And it would make it easier to seam if all of the items are the same size. So I will need to do that and then figure out where, where the family is now and send it off to them. And I think it's going to be really nice. And I'm debating. I feel like I should probably throw it in the washer just to make sure. <laughs> so if it's going to be destroyed, I'm the one who destroys it. I think it is definitely and very easily machine washable. Mm -hmm. So we will see what, what I feel like doing. And then I also started because we have another new baby in the family. This one I was expecting, but um, I wanted to wait until the baby actually arrived uh, before I started it. And so I am knitting a Gramps sweater, also by Tin Can Knits. That was actually how I came up with the Dogwood Blanket. It's in the same pattern collection as the Gramps sweater. And I kind of had thought, oh, this is the sweater I want to do for this for this family. The dad, I think, I feel like he wears vests and like that little grandpa kind of cap. The, like the, the golf hat. The golfer cap, yeah. So I felt like a Gramps sweater would be really adorable for the child. And then I saw that the dogwood blanket was in the same collection. And I said, oh, I always wanted to knit that. Done. So this is also a Knit Pick Swish Worsted in the colorways Mimic and Marble Heather. So kind of a medium gray and then a really dark blue for the trim. And this is just, this is a super cute sweater. I've actually made it before for another baby. <laughs> and it actually in the same color scheme, which I did not mean to do, but apparently this is my favorite color choices for this sweater. So it's a basic cardigan, but then it's got a little shawl collar and an alternate color and it's got little pockets. It's got elbow patches. <laughs> it is freaking adorable. It's just, and, and you can make it for yourself. It comes in like baby to way adult sizes. So I could have it one for me if I wanted. It's coming along. I have split for the arms. And so now I'm just knitting back and forth in gray yarn, which is not terribly exciting, but it is a baby sweater, so it shouldn't take too long. And I need to have that one done by next week because I will be in their neighborhood and hoping to deliver it then. So wish me luck. And then because I had finished my Vanilla is the New Black Socks, and then last night I was going to a theater performance, music performance, which was amazing. But I realized I had no knitting that I could put in my purse. Even though I didn't think I would get much done, I st it just made me twitchy to not have anything in my purse. Right. It's like being out of garlic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very like, similar. You can't just, do anything. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not right. It's not right. Yeah. But I didn't really have time to wind yarn. But I had received as a birthday gift a set of yarn from Earth Yarns, U-R-T-H, in their unique brand, U-N-E-E-K. And it's pre-wound two cakes of yarn, and they have matching 
stripes. And this one is like, it's like the full rainbow, but the, the contrasting stripes. Um, so it's like, it's like a pink stripe and a purple stripe and a pink stripe and a purple stripe. And then it goes into orange and purple and orange and purple. And I don't know, I think then it's yellow and green. And it's from the picture, it looks super wacky, but basically gives you a rainbow idea without just being the Roy G. Biv straight across. And I've been wanting to knit with them for a while because there are so many colors in the full skein. They include a toe-up sock pattern, and it looks like they might be knee socks. So this could be interesting. <laughs> so I cast on for the toe-up socks, the Mahali toe-up sock, M-A-H-A-L-L-E. Um, and it's really interesting, actually. It's a different toe cast on that I have not done before. And then the way the increases for the toe are happening, I may have done before that feels vaguely familiar, but it's not how I normally do them. And I was kind of thinking, oh, I'll just do it how I normally do. And I thought, well, no, why? I mean, it's not complicated. It's not any more complicated than anything else. It's just a little different. And I think it's always good to try different things because maybe I will really like it. Yeah, we shall see. And so I got it started. I got, I don't know, maybe an inch of the toe done. Not very much, but enough so that I knew what I was doing. I could tell what was going on. And then I left it on the table and totally forgot to throw it in my purse, <laughs> which was fine. It was a vocal concert, so I was reading the words anyway because they're all in German and I like to see what's going on. And it was fine. But I was feeling a little, little bit tense that I did not have any backup knitting. I mean, who knew what could happen in the evening? And then there was no knitting. Finally, the gridline sweater. I'm going to have to put, I think I'm going to need to post a picture and I should show you. So I also took this to my retreat and I was working on this at night mostly because, because it was just knitting. It's just at, at I was working on the sleeve. So it's just around and around with an occasional decrease. I worked in the new skein of yarn. Oh, and you can definitely tell they are two different colors. So I'm trying to decide what I want to do. I think what needs to happen is I've got to rip out the other sleeve and stripe it in, stripe it, alternate the skeins, which You're just makes me, woman. I mean, I, it's not brave. It's just, I mean, I haven't done it yet. Patient. Also patient woman, I guess, you know, I mean, it's knitting. I want to wear this sweater. I love the sweater. It fits. It's, it's great. I'm so excited. And it's completely my fault. This is why you buy enough yarn. And I thought I would have enough yarn, but I picked a pattern that I was playing yarn chicken with and I really lost so it's a pattern that you also just can't you can't finagle like if it's a regular construction top down bottom up you can rip out parts of it you could cut it and work in pick up stitches and work things in but the side to side there's no way to fix the length and recover that lost yarn so poor choices were made by me learn from my my lessons I will figure out what to do with it and it's still going to be super comfy and delightful I think I might post a photo and see what people think I should do and how noticeable it is. I think it's noticeable. That is all my knitting. I feel like I haven't done that much knitting, but there are a lot of things happening. Yeah, lots so, of parts and pieces. Yes. Yeah, so, but, you know, I'm I'm got to finish this baby sweater and then I should, well, then I will make some decisions about my grid lines, but I should be able to focus on my dark academia and be happy with that. What's on the easel? Well, I'm going to explain what I've been up to for the past two weeks, and then people will understand why there's only really one piece happening on the easel. So we went to LA 
two weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. We were visiting friends, but we had a day to ourselves. And so we went to a museum. We went to the LACMA, the LA Museum of Modern Art. A museum or an art store, those are my two favorite things. Or a bookstore. Pretty predictable. Fabric store? Fabric store. (laughs) Um, That's really how I like to spend my leisure time in a new city. I have, this is my first time to LA. I'm so embarrassed to say that. Well, I've lived ever? in California. You've never been to LA. We've driven through like on the way to San Diego. Really? I've never been to LA. I did not realize that about you. That is fascinating. But That's we like weren't... a trivia question. That's like a <laughs> introducing, like getting to know your coworkers kind of. Yeah. Courtney's lived in California for almost 22 years, but she's never been to LA. Wow. Okay. And technically, we... But, I mean, you've been to Disneyland. That's Anaheim. I know. Technically true. I mean, it's Southern California. Yeah. I mean, I've been... But like LA. ...around. I had never been to downtown LA, Hollywood. You know, I'd never seen the Hollywood sign. Okay. We only had a short time. So I don't feel like I explored Los Angeles by any stretch. And the area around the museum right now is under super heavy construction, And so I didn't even feel like, I mean, we got out of an Uber and we were right there. It wasn't very ceremonious. And because I'm trying to paint still lives, the the art that I was drawn to at the museum was mostly still lives. Some really interesting ones that I took pictures of more for my own reference. The most delightful thing at the LACMA right now is this piece called Metropolis 2. The artist is Chris Burden, and it is basically a mega erector set with car tracks, like little matchbox car tracks and train tra- Our boys, you know, when they were 5, 6, 7, 8, 12, would have gone bananas for this. It's huge. It's like the size of our living room, the structure. And there's all these tracks that go down and then the cars feed out and go back up conveyor belts. And then it was fascinating. I feel like they would still be pretty into that. Yeah, they would be. <laughs> I mean, I we, think that's We made cool. a video and send it to them. It was very loud and cacophonous and completely joyful. It was the ringer, surprise ringer for me of the visit. There was also a really excellent women on women exhibit that featured women photographers photographing other women and other women artists and things that were essentially from a woman's viewpoint. And it was, it was fun and sad and compelling. And there was just amazing art in there. So I love a museum store, which is no surprise. And as I was browsing in there, I saw this very nondescript tin and I picked it up. And when I opened it, I realized that it was a set of Koh-i-Noor magic pencils that I have been searching for in the United States for like two years. I have only seen them for sale through Etsy, but the shipping was coming from Europe anyway. And it was always, there was just always something weird about it. But I found them labeled under the LACMA. It was like a LACMA kit. Magic pencils from Koh-i-Norm, people are going to be familiar with. The core is three different colors, like blue, red, yellow. And as you draw with it, different colors, you know, depending on how you turn it, the lead will, will show different colors. And they're super fun for kids. Well, this magic pencil set 
it'll have three different yellow tones in one pencil. And so as you're drawing with it, you can kind of turn it and get a shade tone from the same pencil. They are so fun to draw with. I did draw a bird at the hotel afterward because I just couldn't wait to get back home to try these pencils out. So I'm very excited to spend some more time with them. Then we came home and I worked on my submission piece for the Pulp Fiction show, which is happening up in Seattle with Daria Penta, who is on Instagram. She was Hey Hooray, but she, now she's using her full name. So this is works on paper and paper is kind of the theme. And so I have this really weird composition of a bird that migrates basically from the southern tip of Africa all the way up to Scandinavia. And I was just thinking this is a rough, it's called a rough and it's a water bird. And I was just thinking the different types of wildflowers that this bird would encounter along that journey. They're so different from tip to tip. And there's a butterfly that makes a similar, maybe not the full complete journey, but so I have the butterfly and the bird sort of in conversation about their their migration. I think I'm calling it notes on migration. Ooh. I'm showing it to Monica. That so it's very colorful and cheerful. Yeah, I think so. And it features African wildflowers, South African wildflowers and Scandinavian wildflowers and maybe even a little from the Indian subcontinental India wildflowers that they might encounter. And I really like it. It's kind of weird. And it has a typewriter with a sheet of paper in it that they would be making notes. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of love it. I'm having fun painting it. And that goes off later this week. And then last weekend, we went to Houston. Houston was super humid. I didn't get very much painting or drawing done at all, but art-relatedly, I did go to Jerry's Artorama, which is a is a Texas-based art store, and I thought that it was going to be big because Texas, but I guess the headquarters are in Austin, and I was in Houston, and so it was just a regular-sized art store. I could not resist a set of two sets one is landscape themed, one is seascape themed, Charvin acrylics. I haven't been painting in acrylics. I kind of have no business buying these, except that I felt like I needed an art, an art based Houston souvenir. And I'm excited to paint as soon as all of this great life stuff settles down a little bit. I'm thrilled that TSA let me put that in my check luggage and bring it home. And so now I'm home with new art supplies from these two places and lots of ideas, and I almost have time to paint. So I shall report back. Excellent. Very fun. Yeah, vacation uh, craft supplies are the best. Yeah, if you can't actually be making, buying supplies for your next <laughs> make is kind of the next best thing. So true. On the table... Uh, I wanted to say thanks to Coffee and Yarn on Instagram for her delightful little Melissa Clark's Dinner in One review. She posted that she has been cooking her way through it after waiting for a long time at the library, which is annoying, but also good because you can test out a cookbook before you invest in it. She said, I'd 
tried three recipes so far, and they've all been creative, easy, and fulfilling. Plus, her adaptations make it easy to accommodate the multiple dietary preferences in my house. So, yeah, thanks for letting us know. It's it's always exciting to hear that. I'm cooking okay. from it too right now. Oh, are you? Uh huh. I was just thinking I should I should get back to it because because I did enjoy it and I didn't purchase it for some reason. I think I had it on my like birthday Christmas list and then nobody got it for me. So sad. If only there was another holiday coming up, <laughs> gift giving opportunities for me. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to buy it for myself because yeah, it was it was good. We'll have to hear what you think of it. I'm liking it. Okay. I'll tell you about it <laughs> on the table. Excellent. Uh, as far as what I have been cooking, boy, one is home, so it's been a little bit family favorites week. Not a lot of super new recipes, but I want to say it is officially springtime because I made the strawberry rhubarb cobbler. That is probably our family favorite dessert. Between, or I don't know. Maybe it's just mine, but I make them eat it. <laughs> I know my husband likes strawberry rhubarb. <laughs> I mean, everybody, it was gone because there are four of us now. It was gone. There was maybe a bite left for the morning. We just blasted through it. So that was delicious. I used the recipe from Field of Greens, I think. I think it's the second Greens cookbook. Anyway, it's fantastic. And then I made a corn chowder from How to Cook Everything Vegetarian. Yum. And actually, it sort of came to this in a roundabout kind of way. I was trying to figure out what to make with beans this week or last week which might not seem like an intuitive journey. But I was looking through my beans that I have from my bean club. Oh, also, very exciting. One of the women at the retreat, while she was there, got her notification that she has been invited to the bean club. So that was very exciting. I have an art friend who was able to join the bean club and she too was very excited. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. So she came over to tell me, I was like, oh, it's so cool. So that was really great. So anyway, so I was going through all the beans and one of them, they have little descriptions on the front of what it's useful for, what it works best in, what it, maybe what it tastes like. So these are the snow cap beans and they're brown and white. And apparently they taste like potatoes when you cook them. So I was thinking, okay, what could I do with them and I came up with corn chowder with the beans instead of the potatoes and there was a vegetarian corn chowder and it was super simple it is not corn season yet so I just used frozen corn actually that made it more simple because the original recipe has you boiling the corn cobs to make the broth so I just used vegetable broth frozen corn and the beans which were pre-cooked it would have been nice if I could have added some ham or something in there obviously I didn't it was still quite delicious really easy. And the beans did kind of taste like potatoes. So it, it gave that nice, you know, chowdery flavor and feel. So that was that was a fun. You mm -hmm. probably could have done, I could have done half beans, half potato and been just to, you know, if you're trying to ease into this bean scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, you totally could. You could have also just done just potatoes. Yeah. So but I love that you're using those descriptors on the package to help guide your adaptations. Yeah. And it was it was a good way to think of something different to do with them. I feel like I've gotten a little bit in a rut of doing chili or beans and greens, or I did the pizza beans last night, which delicious. And actually, I was out of all my white beans, so I had to use a brown bean. So that gave it a little different flavor. You know, just trying to think of 
different ways to use them that aren't aren't the ways I'm always using them. So I was I was pleased with my innovation. I don't know if it's exactly an innovation, but it was it was for me. And then last night I pulled out I Dream of Dinner, so you don't have to, which is a delightful cookbook. And I made sesame chicken meatballs. We have been having a lot more meat also since the boy has been home because there are three of us who will eat things now. That makes a little more sense. And I roasted a sweet potato for my husband because it comes with a sauce, with a like a tahini sauce that was part of the sesame. And so you make, and it was really a delightful recipe. Her recipes are all very simple and use ingredients in interesting ways. So this one, you you make the sauce and you use part of it in the meatballs to moisten and bind it together. And then the rest of it goes on top as a serving sauce. So it was delicious. The problem was, because it's sesame, it calls for tahini. I always have tahini, except apparently last night. (laughs) So a moment of panic. Did a quick internet search for substitutes. Peanut butter seemed the obvious one. And I did actually have peanut butter, which also I generally have. But, you know, I thought that about tahini. So it ended up being more of a peanut flavored sauce than sesame. But I mean, it was delicious. And yeah, no complaints. The meatballs were baked, served with rice, and you roasted the broccoli as well. She has you roast them, the meatballs and the broccoli or actually broil them all together. So I couldn't do that. I mean, it took an extra eight minutes to broil them separately. So that was fine, especially since I like prepped the broccoli and then broiled it. And then while I was while that was happening, I prepped the meatballs so they were just ready to go. And it was very quick, very efficient and quite delicious. I would say, even though there were only three of us eating the meatballs, we probably could have used more. I mean, it was it was a pound of ground meat, but it only made 12. So you only get four meatballs, which was enough for me. But I felt like leftovers would have been nice or some extra ones for the kids. So note to self to work on that for next time. But I did like that recipe. What is on your table? Well, given my jaunts around the West Coast and beyond, not a whole lot. But I did make a gigantic batch of classic breaded chicken that got us through our home stint for the most part in between trips. And then last night, I also have been cooking from the Melissa Clark dinner in one. And I made, there's a recipe that's like sliced potatoes. I forgot to write it down. Sliced potatoes and chicken with garlic and capers and lemons because my cup runneth over with lemons. The capers were such a great twist to freshen up that dish. And of course it was super easy. All on one tray. Loved the capers. I did super sliced like with the mandolin, thin potatoes. So everything cooked fast. The recipe calls for, I think, chicken thigh, like a bone-in chicken. And I had chicken breasts. And so I cut them up and it went even faster. And no complaints. It was delicious. And it just, next time I'll just add more capers because we really like them. So my table's been pretty quiet. However, for my out and about, I want to mention this incredible thing that we tried in Houston. It's called a kolache, which if you ask somebody from Houston, 
they're pretty well known in Houston. There's all different kinds of kolache places. And it is a Czech bun, basically, that's stuffed with either sweet or savory fillings. And the dough is kind of a yeasted, it seemed to me more like a brioche dough. The sweet ones are open face, so you can see the filling and the top of them. They look like a pastry, kind of. And then the savory ones, at least at the place where we went to, was a closed bun, so the filling was inside, which meant, you know, when you opened a box of chocolates and you don't know what's what, that's kind of how that felt. Although they wrote a little key on the box for us. So the savory options ranged anywhere from egg and cheese. Wait, so how big are they? They're like a decent sized bun, like an empanada or a big dumpling. Dumpling? Yeah, I guess. Or like a steamed bun here. The dough isn't very thick. It's maybe three eighths of an inch all the way around on the savory ones. It's really wonderful. It's a little bit sweet, but it went great with the savory stuff. They had ones filled with like pizza, pizza flavoring. There was a ranchero one. There was spinach and feta. They were delightful. It might be something that I want to attempt, although the brioche dough, you know, that's a little bit of effort. I think the traditional kolache in the Czech Republic are filled with poppy seeds, like a cream cheese type filling or sweet cabbage. But this was, I just love learning about a local favorite and this was super delicious so that's fascinating that's what was on our table nice all right on the nightstand oh my gosh monica (laughs) okay so my reading has been weird i'm just gonna say that i have had you're binge reading (laughs) i am binge reading the problem is i've had two big honkin books i could not get through and so I would take a break and read something light and fun. And as a result, the only things I have read are light, fun stuff. (laughs) So I have three Sue Graftons. Light, light fun being murder mysteries. (laughs) You know, it depends on your definition of light and fun. Um, And then three romances. Well, one of them's not really romance, but it was still light and fun. Uh, One of the books I will definitely get back to, and I do, I do want to finish that one. I just... I don't know why. Anyway, I got distracted by the romance books, to be fair. The other one I haven't decided what I'm going to do with. Anyway, Sue Grafton. Yes, three. I've been listening to them. I am just, I don't, they're just, they're, they're just great. They're just in the background. Some walking the dog or doing the dishes. And I really like Kinsey. She's snarky and funny. And, and I, I have really enjoyed the mysteries as well. Is it still 1983? I think it's 1983. Yeah, I don't think we've gotten through the first year. It's a bad year for murder. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, Southern California. Yeah, she has not had a birthday yet. She's still 32, but her landlord has had a birthday. Um, so he is now, I think, 82. I think he was 81 when it started. So we're, we are moving along. But I was talking to people about this at the retreat, and someone said, yeah, they don't get out of the 80s. So... Which is fine. It's every month, every couple of months. So there's not, I mean, there's only 25 books. So even if you did four a year, you're not, you're not getting out of the 80s, which is partially why I'm enjoying it. It's just fascinating, like the memories that are coming back, which I'm going to talk about a little bit. But anyway, so I read D is for deadbeat, E is for evidence, and F is for fugitive. So in D is for deadbeat, guy shows up at the office and asks her to deliver a cashier's check for $25,000 
to somebody. Can't find the person. So she needs to find the person and then deliver the check. I mean, 25 grand is even now that's a lot. So she thinks the whole thing is a little sketchy, but agrees to do it because she needs the money. But she waits for the expense check to clear, which it doesn't. So she goes off to look for him and then things start to go sideways and we're off to the races. <laughs> Is that what we decided on? How very Kentucky Derby of you. <laughs> That's true. Which I did watch in Houston. I bet you did. Uh, I did not watch it. And then E is for evidence. She is asked by an insurance agency. They have received a claim for fire damage. So she's asked to go to the factory and look it over and investigate and make sure that all was as they claimed. The next thing she knows, she finds herself accused of insurance fraud and arson. And she has to investigate and find out because obviously it wasn't her and she didn't do any of these things. So she's trying to figure out what happened. And then F is for fugitive. Guy shows up at her office and asks for help investigating a 17-year-old murder. At the time, his son was actually confessed to the crime and went to prison and (laughs) walked away from his work detail a year later and has been on the run since then, was recently captured. So he's back in jail and he is now saying he's innocent. So would Kinsey please investigate and find out who actually committed the murder? This one I really enjoyed a lot. There was a lot of stuff about family. I think Sue Grafton was kind of hitting her stride and getting a lot of, you know, much as in the Inspector Gamash ones, you got all these other emotions and um, her relationship with the other characters, you know, the regularly appearing characters is growing. And it's interesting. I am realizing I got farther, a little bit farther into this series than I thought, because I remember something that happened in, in E!, And I remember something that happens after E, which hasn't happened yet in F. So I at least got through G, I think, which is farther than I thought and kind of exciting. I mean, I don't remember any of the the plots. I just remember like events, things like events that happen in the books. So that was interesting. Big news, though. Kinsey Milhone is a crocheter in um, I think it was E is for evidence. She has some free time uh, because it's like the holiday it's the christmas holidays and all of her friends are gone and so she has nothing to do because all the offices are closed so she can't do work so she pulls out some crochet what's she making i don't remember okay i don't think it was important i think it was you know but i did think that was awesome she also goes on an airplane flight from la to houston i think and she sits in the non-smoking section (gasps) and they serve her lunch of like a chicken and fruit cup which was hilarious Oh, my God. She also goes to a restaurant and sits in the non-smoking section, which I also thought was pretty amusing. Although less amusing because I feel like in Europe you could probably still do that. I know. It's amazing. I like to say the only difference between the smoking section and the non-smoking section on a train in Italy was that the smoking section had ashtrays. (laughs) Yeah. People did not ever honor that. It was terrible. Well, I mean, the smoke just... It flows. Right. It It is uncontainable, if you will. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying those. I am looking forward to continuing on with the series. That's good stuff. All right. So then two romances. First is The Lady's Code of Misconduct by Meredith Duran. And to preface, both of these I got off a, I think it was a Twitter feed. Somebody was asking for suggestions. They had just read one that they classified as bonkers and we're looking for something (laughs) similar so 
both of these, I think, had multiple recommendations. So I thought, ah, I haven't read Romance in a while. Let's check them out. And the whole bonkers <laughs> um, description sounded kind of delightful. Uh, so, you know, let's take that into consideration. So, okay, so this one starts off, Crispin wakes up. He can't remember anything before, like five years ago. He remembers going to college and various things. Um but that's really it. And his family is there and a woman who says, I am your wife. And he doesn't remember her. And then she says something about like, but I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. You weren't supposed to survive. We can get it annulled if you want. And he's kind of still dealing with the concussion and doesn't know what's going on. So we flash back three months. He is a politician who is not very nice. I think we're in like the 1850s right now in England, obviously. He's trying to be prime minister and he is using intimidation and bribery and blackmail and all those lovely things <laughs> to gain power, huh. as one does. And Jane's lives with her uncle, who is also a politician and not a very nice one. And so Crispin, through various means, gets her to agree to spy on her uncle. And in return he offers to get her a fake marriage license for whoever she wants to be, you know, whoever she can get to convince to be her husband um, because she has a fortune, but it's not hers until she gets married. And her uncle's great plan is that she will marry his son, who is also not nice. So Crispin gets attacked, knocked out. When this happens, he's not expected to survive. So she goes, gets the marriage license, and she figures, oh, I'll just pretend to be married to him, and then he'll die, and I'll have my fortune, and it'll be fine. Except that he survives. So now it's a whole thing. Is he going to remember? <laughs> What's going to happen? We're pretending to be married. How far can this go? It was, I would, yes, it was bonkers, <laughs> but it was kind of amusing as well and delightful. So I, I enjoyed it. It was definitely um, an open door kind of book, uh, which I was... I think I've been reading sort of more more light romancy um, in recent days, so this was this one was steamy. And the Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. I think I have read books by her before, although I'm not entirely sure which ones, or maybe I just know her name. I mean, she's written a bajillion of them. So this is the story of Ash and Emma. Ash is a duke, of course, and Emma is a seamstress. She was a vicar's daughter and has made her own way in London. And she was sewing the wedding dress for Ash's fiance, but they have broken up and the intended has not paid her bills, causing Emma to be in danger of being evicted. So she goes to Ash's house and says, hey, you need to pay me. That's not fair. And he says, how about instead I marry you because I need a wife. And <laughs> gee, he has <laughs> he, <laughs> he has some issues that cause him to want a wife, just like a wife at night, and we'll live separate lives. And as soon as we have a kid, you can take the kid and go live in the country and have a delightful life on your own. Obviously, it doesn't quite go like that. There are plenty of shenanigans that ensue and is also delightful. <laughs> You're really selling this one. <laughs> it was adorable. It was adorable. Really? Yeah. No, I enjoyed it very much. I mean, it was bonkers. <laughs> there you go. But that was what I was expecting. The premise is completely ridiculous, and but you, it's you know, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting with these. It was delightful. But then the one that I very much enjoyed, which is not actually a romance, and actually I think it's young adult, which I don't usually enjoy, The Dead Queen's Club by Hannah Capon, which is 
let's take Henry VIII, but make it high school. It was amazing. I know. Wow. So Anna is from Cleveland. Anna of Cleves. Sorry. I guess the only problem with this book potentially is that if you don't really deeply know Tudor history, it's probably less funny. I would be interested to find out like how well it has done among people that aren't Tudor geeks. So anyway, Anna of Cleves is wife number four. In this one, she's Anna from Cleveland, and she meets Henry at a smart kids camp, and they become buddies. And she kind of, you know, they stay friends during the school year, and she hears like their junior year and she hears all about his girlfriend and you know and he's dating this woman named Anna nope he's dating a woman named Catherine or a girl I guess they're in high school we can call them girls they dating, are. Yeah. yeah dating a girl named Ka- Catherine who's amazing and speaks languages and is on the lacrosse team and is really smart and is like you know high school president but then Anna comes along and steals him away so she gets all this and then Her mom says, we're moving to the town in Indiana where Henry lives. She's very excited. So Henry and Anna, at the beginning of senior year, date for like two weeks. And she comes to find out that on prom night, Anna died in an explosion and her brother. And it's all very mysterious. Now Henry is dating the cheerleading captain. And then she dies under mysterious circumstances. So now we're not sure what's going on. So the current Anna, who goes by Cleves, because she's from Cleveland, pairs up with some of the other, with Henry's new current girlfriend, and the new cheerleading captain, and the old girlfriend, the original girlfriend, to figure out what's going on. There's a lot of back and forth. So it ends up being kind of a murder mystery as well, with teen drama, and prom, and homecoming. And so that's how you get in like the crowns, because they're both, you know, they're homecoming queen and prom queen. There's a lot about, you know, how we view girls dating and how they try and operate in the world it was delightful it was really fun it was a dark dark romp and it helps that you know tudor history inside out backwards and forward they make one of the newspaper reporters is named after the spanish ambassador at this time who we know a lot of tudor history because he wrote snarky letters home i mean you still get that in the character but i don't know that you would find it quite as amusing if you didn't know that. It reminded me to a certain extent of the musical Six in how they relook at the characters and how, especially the fifth wife, you know, how people view what she did and how she behaved and who was responsible for those things and a feminist retelling of, of Henry VIII. It was delightful. And that's all my books. I don't really have that many either because I have been... So on the go, but in keeping with our murder mysteries, I did very much enjoy The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Oh, yay! What a delight. Right? This is the most endearing group of elderly septuagenarian crime solvers ever. They are so real and not doddering. I just loved this, this foursome and their thursday murder club and they're they meet in the puzzle room and one of them is just superbly adept at getting what she wants out of the police and then investigating on her own and going rogue and i can't wait for the rest there's there's several more like there are 
two more at this point, I think. Two or three, I think. And then one, yeah. this first There's three one... total, I believe. Okay. And then like the fourth. And I think he is contracted for six total. And I think there's a TV show that they're working mm-hmm. on. So that'll be fun. Totally. Yeah. Because Steven Spielberg is doing the, oh, oh, the okay. motion picture. So that is nice. Oh, is it a movie? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. We'll see how that goes. So this one, there's there's a murder kind of in plain sight, and they have to eliminate. There were so many people there that they have to eliminate who done it. So there, there are four older people. They all live at like a retirement village. Village. And that's how they and then there's various clubs. And so they have created the Thursday Murder Club. For fun. For fun. But they don't call it that. What do they call it like? They call it the Thursday Murder Club. I mean, Club. they do, but on the schedule, it's something else because they don't want oh. random people trying to join it. I don't know. It's they like Japanese the, printmaking or something. Oh, they meet in the puzzle room, which yeah. cracks me up. And I just, I really like, they're not stereotypical, you know, they're not complaining about arthritis the whole time. They have real depth and interesting lives and they feel more real. So delightful read. Then I read a super weird book called Cursed Bread mm. by Sophie McIntosh. And this is... A bizarre, weird, like somewhat epistolary novel with a highly suspect, unreliable narrator named Elodie. She is the baker's wife. She is, boy, I don't know whether to trust her or not, even when the book is done. So they're in this small town in rural France, and... It feels like post-war. This ambassador and his wife move to town and they're meant to do a census. This couple is entirely compelling to everyone in town because they're new and they're wealthy and they're beautiful. Everybody is suspect of them, but also very nosy and they want to get up close and see inside their house. And the, the washerwoman is washing the wives under things and showing everybody, oh, that's that's only the tip of the iceberg in the inappropriate side of this book. This is definitely, I wouldn't say open door, but how do we say, like, it's risque in a weird, uncomfortable way. <laughs> not in a good way. Not in a great way, no. What is compelling about this, though, the reason why I finished it, is that it's based on a true mystery. In 1951, mm. in the outskirts in the like rural part of France, the, I forget the name of the town, there was a mass poisoning. And a huge Porsche population of the town died from poisoning. And nobody really, it was 1951, nobody ever really figured out why. And this book makes a supposition. Mm. And it's that thread, this weird thread that you're navigating along with Elodie's uncomfortable, voyeuristic thoughts, if you will, that keep you going. Mm. Okay. I'm also reading three other really gigantic books that I really want to be reading, but was traveling and like, mm. you know, traveling with it. This is the only time when I feel like, okay, invest in a Kindle already. So I'm eager to get to my other book selections at home but this was the, these were the only two i finished in the stretch burnham wood burnham wood is one of okay. them which came up in i'm watching um 
The Diplomat on Netflix. This is non sequitur. We normally do not talk about TV very much, but The Diplomat with Carrie Russell. So good. So excellent. And there's a Burnham Wood reference in that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I really got to get cracking on Burnham Wood. Yeah, that was a good one. And that's it. That's all on my nightstand. Well, my nightstand is a towering pile of incredible books. I just need to like be at home. You need to be at the house to read them. Right. Yeah. Ah, details. Yeah. All right. Bingo. Yay. It's time almost. Almost. So it will start Friday, May 26th. Oh, it's not the 27th anymore. It's May 26th. And we'll end Monday, September 4th. Is this our fourth or fifth bingo? I forget. Well, it's our fourth or fifth bingo. We've been doing this for a while. So, I mean, it's all going to be the same, but we're going to talk about what that means in case you are new. So we will, well, <laughs> I say we. Courtney's going to create update a bingo sheet. Yep. And it will be available through our craft cook read repeat instagram you'll be able to just grab a screenshot of it there but if you would like a copy for your printing purposes yeah if you want a pdf let us know and we will email it to you so we will need an email address and so you can send us a message on instagram or i'm on ravelry you can send it there and ask for it or send us an email at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com and we will send you a PDF version that you can print out and play with or, you know, leave on your computer and play with. Quite frankly, whatever works for you. Normally, we do. There's a way to earn a bingo if you're just reading or just cooking or just crafting. There's like you don't have to jump through all of the hoops. But in order to get a blackout, you do need to be multifaceted, if you will. Yes. And to enter, there will be prizes. We don't know what they are yet. We sort of pick them up along the summer route. Yes. But you will need to post a photo of the bingo card with your completed row or column or diagonal, either to the Ravelry thread that I will start at some point, or on, has on hashtag on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2023. And if you want a second entry, then post a photo of your blackout completed delightfulness. I mean, it's it's bingo, right? We know how that works. So it'll be various options. There'll be types of books to read, themes, um, things to cook, things to craft, or not even things to craft, ideas. It's just for projects. For projects, Generically yeah. speaking. And we are not trying to make your life complicated. If you can make it make sense to you or I guess to us then make it work so like an example of that was one thing that we normally have is try a new technique and I think you know and so it doesn't have to be a crafty technique a lot of people do that because that's pretty easy but it could be you know a new kind of pie crust that you make I think that was what I did last year or I mean the reading is kind of tricky but I thought maybe maybe a different you, genre or genre or or like read an ebook, right? Like if that's not how you normally read, right? Then do that. Uh, you know, so however you can make it work, it is just to inspire your creativity, find some joy in the summer. We found it particularly helpful through COVID that, like, the, um, the like a sense of accomplishment in a way. But I think for me, still to this day, the most most joyful pieces of it are hearing about people other listeners 
like heirloom family recipes or seeing the things that you create. And it's a way for all of us to kind of come together and share our summer journey, whether you win a bingo or not. It's just for fun. Yeah. And it is not a requirement to post what squares you're working on. We don't actually (laughs) require proof. I guess you could just like check off squares and say, hey, I did it. But where's the fun in that? Um, But we do like to see what you're working on. It it, as Courtney says, brings us great joy. And again, you can put that on Instagram or on the Ravelry thread. I enjoy reading all of them very much. And if you are participating in other events, you can double dip, you can triple dip, whatever works for you. We are not particular. And We're honestly, if you can, police. you can, you can make something work for two squares, go for it. I think um, the only other one of our squares is usually uh, read a book that one of us has recommended and what I actually mean is just something that we've read. Yeah. It doesn't, we don't actually have to have liked it. <laughs> if it sounds good to you. Although if I really don't like a book, I don't tell anyone. Well, I mean, there is that. There's that. Yeah. I think that's it. If you have other questions, let us know. It's, it's... we'll be probably posting the bingo sheet within the next week or so. I think it'll be ready, but then we don't really get going until Labor Day or Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, here in the U.S., yeah. So it is Friday, May 26th. That's super fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't actually know what changes she has made to the, the bingo sheet, so I'm not... I'm, I'm pondering things that I think might work. I have a... a we do theme. have a fun, a fun theme. Should we talk about the theme? Well, we did get a great suggestion from Susan, who is... Suna PSP on Instagram and she knowing my absolute obsession with birds suggested that maybe we do a little bird themed bingo and Susan you're absolutely right we're going to and I don't mean that everybody has to become amateur ornithologists this summer but we're gonna tuck in a birdish suggestion for just one maybe for each category and we will make it as easy to achieve as possible. And I will say, if you are looking for a bird-themed book and have been paying attention to the, the Twitter storm about how to lose the time war, I have read that book, so that would count. That okay. could be a, a double square. And all the Anne Cleves books are have bird-heavy, too. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of it. How to Lose the Time War has birds on the cover. It was really good. Someone tweeted about it and they have I don't know some it just somehow took off and that book which came out two or three years ago went to like number six on the Amazon bestseller list out of nowhere so wow very exciting and for those of you who and it was a really good book for those of you who aren't into birds so much then you'll really appreciate the cooking (laughs) (laughs) oh we have plans we have plans (laughs) Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay, then. All right. So until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.